welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, highlighting artists, teachers, authors, and philanthropists of the regenerative movement. People who are committed to and who showcase planetary leadership. My name is Julian Guderlei, and in today's episode, I'm hosting an interview with Rich German. Rich is the founder of Project O, and he's been paddleboarding off the coast of Laguna Beach, California, with dolphins and whales since over a decade, encountering a pod of four orcas in 2015 garnered him international media attention and connected him with some of the leading ocean conservation organizations. And when he learned about firsthand about the perils of our oceans and the marine life, his hobby turned into a passion to then protect them. And he wrote a book called Blue Laguna, chronicles of his uh, experiences with dolphins and whales. We'll talk about all of that. Welcome to the show, Rich. Thanks, man. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's rare that I get to talk with someone who gets to be with dolphins and whales like literally all the time. Um, <laughs> how do I say this in English? I'm positively envious. Like I, I want to I wanna go out on the water with you because it's anytime I've been close to whales or close to dolphins, there was this like, I don't know, interspecies joy, just something special that happens. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I've, I've literally paddled almost every day. There was about a six-week period that just ended where I couldn't go on the ocean for reasons we might get into, but um, it's basically been a every single day thing for the past decade. Um, I don't see dolphins every single day, but most days, including this morning, I had an amazing encounter, and man, I tell you, it never gets old. Like, I feel like a little kid out there every time I'm with them, and today it was just totally magical, like, it's like, if it ever gets boring, then I got to go find something else to do. But I just, I can't see it ever not being super exciting every time I'm with them. It just lights me up. Yeah, there's something about animals in their natural habitat and the way they, they don't think too much. Like, it's not like us humans that have a, an opinion about ourselves, an opinion who we, we might be, but it's just pure joy. So let's, let's start maybe with your book. I'm curious because you, you know, it's, it's a passion turned into, or a hobby turned into a passion project that now is like, ramping up first the book now project O, then blue city and we'll talk about all of that so yeah. let's start with the book because i think chronologically that's maybe where it started for you yeah so like i said i it's kind of crazy i moved into the house that i'm sitting in right now in laguna beach california 10 years ago and when i moved into this house i had no idea that the beach that's right here happens to be like the best beach anywhere to paddleboard from because even if there's waves everywhere else up and down the coast, this beach is kind of set on a little angle and I can pretty much paddle out any day of the year. The other thing I didn't know is that there's more species of dolphins and whales off the coast of Southern California than pretty much anywhere in the entire world. I had no idea. So it was kind of like, a, I don't know, call it fate or whatnot that this whole thing happened. So I used to, I started paddling every day and at first, I just fell in love with being out on the water and looking back at the Laguna Beach coastline. It was very meditative. It was great exercise. But then I noticed that pretty much every time I go out there that I would see dolphins. And I'm like, this is really cool. And the creative in me wanted to like capture these moments. So I started bringing a little cheap waterproof camera out there and I take photos. And then I got a little fancier and I put a GoPro on my hat to shoot video. Yeah. And at the beginning, I would just kind of cruise up and down the coast, which I still do most days, and I'd look for dolphins. And then what? there's two moments that kind of changed it all. One day I'm out there, I keep looking that way because the ocean's right there. And um, I see way out 
on the horizon line, these massive tall spouts, like, like crazy tall. And I was like, what the heck is out there? And I, the, my curiosity got the best of me. And I just started paddling, paddle, 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 paddle. And I don't know, probably took me 45 minutes to get there, but I found myself surrounded by a couple 100 foot long blue whales. Wow. The largest animal that's ever lived on the planet. And now these, they're massively big, 100 feet, think two school buses, but they're totally docile. They're just gentle giants. They're just like, they're basically just kind of sitting on the water and then they'll go down and they'll eat and then they come back up and they take a bunch of breaths, like super calm. And um, it turned out that I was like two miles, literally two miles offshore to be with these whales. So that moment was just like, my mind was like blown that I could get on my paddleboard, paddle 45 minutes, not even, and be in the presence of 100 foot long whales. That was crazy. And then the bigger experience after that, which is about five years ago now, is I had, a, as you mentioned, an encounter with a pod of four orcas. Because up until that point, I had paddleboard with like every species almost that you could imagine of dolphins and gray whales and humpback whales and the blue whales and like everything but orcas. And I would literally have dreams in my sleep of these orcas mm -hmm. jumping out of the water and being with them. And then it was January 7th of 2015 was uh, the exact date. And there was a pod of four orcas two miles off the coast right here. And I just had this incredible encounter with them and shot a pretty pristine video. And that video, I wasn't even going to share it. It was so like this sacred personal moment. I was like, I think I'm just going to keep this to myself. And I showed it just to a couple of close friends and they were like, dude, no, like this is way too cool. You have to put it out there. And so I'm like, okay. And so um, I'll tell you the story because it was kind of cool. I, yeah, please I, do. I went onto my personal Facebook page and I posted the video. And what I did actually, I, I went down to the beach first and I shot a 90 second intro, me talking into the camera talking about the experience of these orcas. And I kind of gave a little jab to SeaWorld, how this is seeing orcas in their natural environment, you know, versus in um, captivity. And how a few people asked me if, you know, was I afraid? And I said, no, because the only time an orca has ever harmed a human being was in captivity, never in the wild. So the point is, I didn't want to make it I didn't want to put the video out and have people think, oh, this guy's crazy, you know, paddleboarding two mm -hmm. miles out in the middle of the ocean with killer whales. I wanted to make it about the whales. So I shot this little opener and then I segued in my footage. I put it on my Facebook page and within like two, three hours, the video was shared like 700 times, like just, and then that night on the news, CBS, NBC, ABC, the major networks here, all ran the story live. All three of those networks called me the next morning and said, every affiliate nationwide wants to run your story. Can they? To which I said, yes. And then the thing just went global, like in 24 hours, it went crazy. On wow. Facebook, they used to have this thing on Facebook that said um, trending stories. I don't think they have that anymore, but I was literally trending me on Facebook for 48 straight hours. But the point is the reason it's kind of a cool story, but the main reason I bring it up was the following day, I was sitting in this chair where I'm sitting right now, 
And within a couple hours, I got contacted by PETA, Save the Whales, Blackfish, The Cove, Mission Blue, which is Sylvia Earle's foundation. Just back to back, all of them contacted me about the orcas and they want to run the story. And I remember sitting in this chair and I just started bawling. It was like every organization that I would potentially want to reach out to all contacted me. And I just felt it in my whole body. And I was like, whoa, like that was the moment when I really realized like, okay, there's something else going on here. Like there's a reason these animals showed up in your life and you're supposed to do something about it. Because before that, people always tell me, oh, you should make a book. You should make a book. And I'm like, no, I don't. I always said, no, I'm like, I don't want to do it. I'm like making a book. Now it's a business. I'm selling it. I'm like, that's my church. That's my sanctuary. I don't want to commingle the two. But when that all happened, that led me to, I happen to have a copy right here. That led me to um, publishing this book, Blue Laguna, and starting the nonprofit. And there, it's funny, the, the timing of this is great because for the first couple of years I had the nonprofit, I had no idea what it actually was. <laughs> uh, but we now finally have something that we're launching and it's all become clear in the last couple of years. So yeah, that's, there's my little backstory. That's amazing, Rich. I, I, you know, again, like I'm, I'm a little mesmerized by this idea that you go out there by the, to the ocean every day and then the animals is going to commune with you and show up almost every day from humpback whales, blue whales, dolphins, and all kinds of dolphins. Right. And, and especially uh, our, you know, also, also my spirit animal and in some way they show up in dreams quite a bit, the orcas. And so let, let me ask the obvious question. Like, is there, is there like this experience of, fear or hesitation is that just out the window because you just feel that pull or like how do you experience that like you know because someone who goes under the water like you every day knows the dangers of the water and knows when like when maybe it's a step too far but like what's the experience like when you get closer to a pod of of, of large animals so the first i've had i think now eight orca encounters since the first one mm. and the very first one if you watch the video, it's, it's, I think if you just Google Orcas Laguna Beach, the video will still- We'll tag up. it in the show notes for sure. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. After like the first, when I first got to them, I was definitely like a little scared. I was very alert. That's probably the better word to use. But I'm telling you what, after like five minutes, because they were literally coming up to me, going, you'll see in the video, they go right under my board. At one point you hear in the, at the end of the video, you see one literally go right under my board and miss my board by like, two inches and I literally dropped to my knees because I thought he was going to butt me and I was going to go flying off and you hear me say oh baby please don't hit me or something like that but after about five minutes with them I was like they're just dolphins like I was not worried <laughs> at all in fact there was other boats out there I was on my paddleboard and there was a bunch of boats there was probably like 200 eyeballs on me people on whale watching boats and I always say if I was alone I would have jumped in the water like I would have got in and swam with them. Like I was not afraid of them at all. And I didn't do that just because I would probably gotten a hard time because you're not really supposed to do that here. There's other places in the world where I swam with whales and whatnot. But um, so yeah, no fear with the orcas. They're just big dolphins. And then probably the scariest is the blue whales because they're, they're 100 massive, foot long, they're massive yeah. and they're harmless. They're completely harmless, but if they happen to come up and they don't see me, then that might be the end of me. But the way I look at it, like if that's the way I got to go, 
I can, I'm okay with that. And I still feel like being out in that ocean is way safer than driving on the 405, like by a hundredfold. So yeah, no question about that. I, I think I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm on your side there. But you know, it's also so interesting that you say that the encounter, the first encounter with the orca is like, you know, it, it almost hits you by like two inches or so. It, it feels like those, you know, I mean, they, they live in the water. They know the distance, they know their own body. They know the water, right? Like, so oh if they wanted to kick you off the board, they would. And, and so it, they clearly just don't want to do that. I was very clear who was in charge in that situation. And it wasn't me. <laughs> Put it that way. Awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we got to feel a little bit of that story. I'll make sure to link the video out. Cool. So tell us more about Project O and what, you know, what's kind of started there and how that, you know, turned from, a hobby and something that was more like you just said it like your sanctuary into something that you realize okay this is a mission that now i'm on and this happened for a reason and the reason is for me to form some kind of alliance or some kind of movement um, because obviously it's 2020 we, we we're still on a planet where humans are acting like um like you know semi-conscious monkeys and polluting everything so <laughs> there, there is something we need to do right there's a lot of work yeah. to do one of the reasons why we're having this interview and so i'm curious to hear more about project o. yeah thanks so um i've been a business coach for 20 years um i was probably younger than you yeah i was i was in my late 20s when i started coaching and um been pretty thank god successful with that and so when I decided to start the nonprofit, what I wanted to basically do was take everything that I know from the business coaching world, online marketing, and specifically the business that my day-to-day -day business that pays the bills is all about joint venturing. I basically help uh, entrepreneurs like yourself to partner with other entrepreneurs where they're supporting you, you're supporting them, you're promoting them, they're promoting you. And it's just this whole topic of collaboration mm -hmm. um, where like kind of the old paradigm in business was all about competition, me against you, us against them, where we kind of flipped that on its head. And it's like, no, let's all work together and together we're all going to win. So when I started the nonprofit, the whole idea was to take everything that I know over here from the online marketing world and bring it into the nonprofit world. Cause my, my experience prior of nonprofits were, you had all of these great organizations and amazing people all doing great work, but pretty much doing it autonomously. And I was like, no, let's, you know, how do we pull people together? And so that was, that's always been the mindset behind everything that I do. And um, the big project and the timing of us talking right now is perfect because we were actually going to launch this back in March and then something happened in the world that kind of, I don't know, affected things. <laughs> and so that got, it got put on hold a little bit. But we're not we're actually launching it like right now and that is the blue city certification program so there, that's like there's two main projects that i'm working on and we can talk a little bit about the other one too if we have time but the blue city program i'm super excited about because essentially what it is it's a city certification program so we're going to be working with cities starting here in california but ultimately this will be a global program and the idea is to help cities to implement best practices in different areas so that they become stewards of both the ocean and waterways. So we're starting on the coast of California, but ultimately we're gonna move inland because you know, what cities are doing inland 
everything ultimately affects the ocean. Plus even, you know, people that live inland, everybody loves traveling to the ocean for vacations and whatnot. So everybody loves the ocean. So it's all about people. It's, it's really designed so that cities can be a part of the solution. I think people are looking, you know, I don't need to tell you this, like we know we're doing bad things to the environment. And a lot of times people don't know like, well, what can I do to make a difference? And so this is really like a, grass, a grassroots local approach to what cities can do from a policy standpoint, what businesses can do from a business standpoint and what citizens can do to make a difference on their own. So, um, and what's cool is we're using collaboration. So we've partnered with a lot of the top ocean protection organizations in the world, like Surfrider, Oceana, Plastic Pollution Coalition, Monterey Bay Aquarium, uh, California Coast Keepers, et cetera. So we've all partnered together. We've created an amazing criteria of what a city needs to do to become certified. And um, yeah, we're, we're literally launching it. By the time this thing, this interview goes live, we'll be like literally launching it with our first few pilot cities. And then the plan is, like I said, to go global with this thing over the years ahead. This, what I'm, I'm excited because this, to me, this is like a legacy piece. Like my hope is that this Blue City program will outlive you know, me and it'll just, it'll go on for a long, long time. So it's beautiful. Yeah. It's been two years in the making. So I'm excited to finally. Yeah. I'm excited for it to go live as well, because, you know, often I think about what does it really take to change behavior? And we know usually it, it takes a few people starting something that matches our values that most people actually have into some form of visible metric or some form of visible, like a, almost right. like um, a nimbus that we can say, okay, let's stick to this, right? And often what we realize in, in the global business um, world that, that's been created is there is values and there are um, ethics and then there's business. But really like that needs to go hand in hand. And I know this is oversimplified, but in a way this is, this is simply the world we've created that has gone so far away from the, nat the respect for the natural world and started trading everything just as a commodity as if like, a fish or a whale or a dolphin because it's not a human being. It's just a, a, a commodity of, of this planet yeah. that we have power over. But in reality, I mean, we're so interconnected. And I think, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned COVID without mentioning it, but this, <laughs> this, this break that humanity has been on, I think made a few of our uh, ways of how we operate in the world, like really apparent, right? Like not to get lost there, but like if, if uh, our entire global economy is about to collapse because people for two months only do what is essential, then something's actually wrong with the way we did economy, right? And so these initiatives, um, and this is why I have you on the show today, mm. like what you're creating with Project O and the Blue City Network, I think are the sense-making tool and the way we, we can start weaving uh, a lot of the, the shared efforts into, into like a cohesive strength. That, yeah, it's good. You know, we've been in, really in the trenches creating this whole thing. So it's cool to hear you kind of on the outside looking in and seeing what it is and, and getting that feedback. So it's good. Yeah, it's interesting to me talking about the pandemic. It's like when you look at the positive, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of negative that has occurred and it's still occurring, you know, people losing their lives and the economic strain, which is massive. And by no means do I belittle that. But when you look at the environmental impact that has occurred by just us cranking down the engine of the world 
And it's just, it's a oh, testament okay. that it's funny that we're talking about this because my book, Blue Laguna, is really a celebration of the fact that Laguna Beach has a six mile stretch of coastline that is not only marine, not only a marine protected area in MPA, but it is a no take zone, meaning that it's against a lot of fish, this entire coastline of Laguna Beach. And what's happened in the eight years since that was in place is like, I call this the greatest aquarium in the world. Like there's a reason all the dolphins and whales are here. And now all the, cause all the fish has come back. Like it is just alive out there. And to me, it's a testament to what happens when we just leave nature alone. And look what's happened in the last couple months. Globally, we shut that engine down. And like, you know, I, you know as well as I, all the stories and how the yeah. pollution has dropped and the dolphins coming into the canals in Venice. And it's like, it's amazing how fast nature will restore itself. So my concern though is like, as the world starts to, you know, I, I, I said something recently, I said, um, I said, as bad as this is from a health and economic and fear standpoint, I said a return to normal would be a slow march into a burning house, mm -hmm. a suicide mission. I said, this is mother nature's whisper. Let's not make her scream. And so my, I want to say this in a positive way. I hope that things don't go back to normal because normal got us into the situation. And somehow I hope that we can make a very gracious re-entry into mm -hmm. some form of normality. You know, my concern is we'll yeah, just yeah. crank that engine, not, not to 10 where it was, but to 11 and kind of undo all the good things that have happened environmentally. So I'm, I'm hoping that there's a gracious way to re-enter. That yeah, sense. that's, that's beautifully put. Like, you know, if we were to look at humans as nature, not as external to nature, then you could say we can, we can either be a pest to nature or we can be the grace note to nature. Yeah. And so like, that's, that's really our mission. I think this is like the mission of a lifetime or of this lifetime is to understand this evolution from the homo sapiens as like an egocentric species into an ecocentric Ecocentric. awareness, right? Right. Where, where we're part of the ecosystem and, and therefore we get to play on a planet that turns into Eden literally within two or three months. Cause that's how fast nature can recover. If, if we, if we change the way we interact. And so, yeah, I, I don't, I don't have all the answers. And I, you know, I, I think there are a lot of people that have some of the answers and still the picture is not clearly visible of how we get to go there. But I think um, the more people wake up to want to go to this place where we are part of an eco verse that is alive and, and lush, I think that the sooner it becomes reality. So well, let me ask you a question there. So, no, I just, don't forget your question, but I just want to acknowledge you because like, as I get to know you better, and I think this is why we'll be friends hopefully forever. Like, honestly, I don't know if I can make a difference. Do I hope the work that I do with, especially with Blue City and these other things that I'm working on, do I hope they're going to make a difference? Absolutely. For the past 10 years, I've basically been sharing photos and videos of dolphins and whales. A, because I think it's cool and they're beautiful and people love them. But my hope is that people will be like, oh my God, look how beautiful. It's just like, it's raising consciousness, hopefully. Like, look how beautiful these animals are. Like, we need to protect them. You yeah. know what I mean? So I just want to acknowledge you for 
because like me, it seems like you basically have committed your energy and your life to this cause knowing like, you know, what, you know, what could be more important? Like it's the, I feel like, as I'm sure you do, like blessed every day, like this is the work that I get to do. Like it's, it's a calling and, and you, I just want to acknowledge you for answering that call. Thanks, Rich. It's, 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 uh, yeah, it's very much appreciated to get that acknowledgement. I think a lot of people are looking for more meaning in their life and looking for a deeper form of being, feeling connected. And, you know, a lot of us have this wound of not feeling heard and seen. And so part of it is to follow what we actually hear and see, which is that whisper of nature, which is that like, yeah, it's the 21st century and we could, we could get lost in computer games and uh, uh, virtual connections. And there's obviously a blessing with that too, because that's how we're connecting right now. And this is how you're listening. You yeah. who are listening, you're listening to us on, on some kind of a device, but that's just one element of our life. And so it takes a whole lot of us to say um, no thanks to, you know, corporate control and to learn a way forward, how we can untie those ties because not everything is evil. I would even go as far to say that I would, um, and not naively, but I, I would say that most likely there are not really negative or pure evil intentions behind any of the creations that are, that, that, that humans have made. There is just a very narrow minded intention or an intention that 10 years, 20 years later, we look back and we're like, really, we've used to do that. Oh my God. And so, this is my next question and it now fits even better than before. Okay. What do you think it takes for humans or for humanity at large to learn from past mistakes? Well, probably my greatest mentor in life used to always say, it doesn't matter what the question is, the answer is love. And for me, from a spiritual standpoint, it's what I said a minute ago, it's about raising consciousness. If the consciousness level of the planet raises to a certain level then everything will shift right and we'll start making the right decisions and the reality is evolution is a slow process <laughs> um but i think it's happening you know we could i love your attitude man because there's plenty of people that could come on here and say that no there's evil forces <laughs> behind the whole pandemic and there's evil forces controlling corporations and blah 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 like maybe maybe not i don't know um but at the end of the day, I think the more people like you that are putting out good energy, love, higher consciousness, and the people are looking for that, man, they're looking for it and they want to know how they can make a difference. And that's everything that I'm trying to focus on is really showing people like, hey, you know, the, the power of one, you can make a difference in what you do. Like just, you know, I see we're both drinking out of a, out of a you know, cheers, out of a glass mug, you know versus a plastic bottle, like little things like that, we can make a difference with. So um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. At the end of the day, I think it's about raising consciousness. Yeah, beautifully put. Brings me to my next question. You just said, <laughs> cheers, cheers to us both um, you know, drinking out of reusable glassware. What do you think of this like big picture of trash and garbage we have in the world? Like it, especially with as someone who likes loves to go out on the ocean i'm sure you've seen you've seen trash in the ocean that like could get i it could get me to cry any moment because it's like really like how naive have we have we been to to not want to look that way but like what what's your what's your thought on that like what what has to happen for that to recover and kind of evolve so um that kind of leads to the other big project that i'm working on so blue city which 
if you look at on our website, the solution areas that we're focused on, waste minimization is number one. So that definitely addresses plastics and trash and things like that. Um, but I'll just briefly mention the, the second big project that I've been working on for a long time. It's called the Ocean Heroes. And the intention is to create a multi-episodic um, um, documentary series where we will travel around the world and interview people that are focused on solutions to the biggest problems that the ocean is facing. And it's kind of the, I think you and I even talked about this um, when we spoke before this, like there's been important movies made like Inconvenient Truth and Before the Flood and, and ones like that, that really show people like, it's kind of a wake up call to people but in my mind, they just scared the shit out of people and didn't really offer solutions. I remember the first time I was watching The Inconvenient Truth and I was like an hour into it. I'm like, okay, Al, I get it. The world's coming to an end. Now tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. And it never happened. Like they were literally rolling yeah. the credits. They were rolling the credits and he's like, change your light bulbs. And I was like, no, there's gotta be more. I'm like, I don't wanna do that. I wanna do like, and nothing against movies like that, but it's like, people wanna know what they can do. So that's the whole point of Ocean Heroes. And, and the, the goal was to pick one solution. Like there's a lot of problems <laughs> and challenges going on in the environment and we can't fix them all, at least not all at once. So the whole idea was let's pick one. And the one that we've been looking at a lot is around plastic. And in my mind, there is no reason that we still use anything single use specifically single-use single use plastic. So one of the other things I have going on is, is looking at solutions, not just um, bioplastic, which I don't really like the word bioplastic because it's not made of plastic. There should be a better word, but marine degradable bioplastic. Mm -hmm. So plastic that would um, you know, dissolve in the ocean just like it would in the ground. So that to me is, is something that I'm focused on. And yeah, we're starting a podcast. You actually inspired me there. We're starting a podcast for Ocean Heroes because apparently this is not the best time to be flying around the world and filming a documentary film series. So we're going to launch in the podcast very soon just to get the momentum at least started with, with Ocean Heroes. But yeah. Yeah, I like that you brought it to this single use notion. And this is something that, you know, it, it, it really goes across all industries from plastics to fashion like the there's a lot of work still to do on the educationary front of, of those people who are driving the business but then also us as consumers right um, I love fashion and always have but I've, I've like minimized my purchases over the last five years to an absolute minimum which usually means um, vulnerable share here usually means I only buy clothes with my mom because she just loves doing that with me oh. <laughs> I don't even know why <laughs> but but I mean you know what I'm trying to say is like like the amount of times we mindlessly just buy something use it throw it away and then like buy the next thing because it's in fashion or in or you need to have it or whatever I think it's not necessarily wrong that we as modern humans have so many desires that's just where we're at but I think we got to learn to match that with a responsible way to fulfill those desires. So like uh, in terms of fashion, for example, if we were to just use the things we have six months, 12 months longer, we're already minimizing the impact it has on the environment rather than just throwing it out, buying the next thing, which is the disposable kind of way the 
I'm going to say it like the American kind of capitalist <laughs> uh, mindset has gotten the entire world to feel like, right? And so totally. lots of work to do. So I'm, I'm glad you're going to start a podcast around Ocean Heroes. I, I can't wait to tune in. And well, it's interesting because it's like, is it, does that, is it a bottom up or yeah, is it a top down or a bottom up thing? And maybe it's both. Like yeah, the reality is if there's a, I'd have to find the article, but I read something. It was the number was 17%. If 17% of consumers demand something, the company will change what they create. So let's say uh, saran wrap, you know, plastic wrap. If 17% of their buyers said, we don't want your plastic, they'll come up with another solution. And the best part of this is that the solutions that we're looking at will save the company's money. It will be cheaper to produce the product than now. So number one, they're going to be a hero to the world. You know, let's say um, Starbucks or Coca-Cola starts producing their cups and bottles out of a hemp, marine, biodegradable, bioplastic. Again, not the right word. Well, they're going to be a hero to society, right? and they're gonna save a bunch of money, like it's a no brainer. So a lot of this is just the technology being created, which is being worked on right now. So that will change. Yeah, that yeah, will, yeah. I'm it's, confident that it'll be like you said, like we look back, I always said like, um, I don't know why I'm thinking of this, but like um, cancer, like chemotherapy and radiation, something tells me 25 years from now, we're gonna look back and be like, what did we do? We, we, what did we do to people's bodies? The, what was, that was the treatment. It'd be like saying leeches, you know, when people, they used to use leeches as a therapy. It'll, I think that it'll be the same thing. It's like, what we used to create these bottles by the billions and just dump them into the ocean. Like that was crazy. So yeah. I think it'll change. And like I said, evolution's a, it's a slow process. It's a slow process, but I think what you're, what you're pointing at is, is one of the, the, the reasons I started this podcast is to, to get a little bit of a notion of like longer term kind of thinking and reflecting into a conversation or, you know, I don't think I quite yet affect mainstream thinking, but into some people's thinking. And so the question that I literally started the podcast with is, has to do with your earth vision. And I want to hear you answer, Rich. So like, what's your dream for the earth or your vision for the planet? And now the context is within like seven generations. Yeah. So what's my dream for the planet? Seven generations out? Is that what you're asking? Mm -hmm. That's a big one. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. I don't know why. I like, I love this kind of interview because I have no idea what you're going to ask me. Um, I won't do interviews where they're like, here, you know, give us, send, send us the questions asked. Yeah. I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. So I didn't have time to think of what, how I would answer that. But immediately what came to mind for me was the dolphins and the whales. Like for me, none of this is happening if not for the dolphins and whales coming into my life. So I just feel like it's our, I feel like it's our human, it's our moral and spiritual responsibility to protect our planet, our home, our ocean, and the sacred life that lives in the ocean and on this planet. And kind of like you said before, like, we're just animals also. <laughs> we're all just animals. And I look at it like, I mean, look at what's going on in the world right now. Like I said, this is a whisper of what potentially could happen. I've been saying this for years, that 
it's probably going to go one of two ways. Either the planet is going to spit us off, because planets can be like, you two-leggeds are just screwing this whole thing up. You need to go, and the planet would probably be much better off without us. Or, and I'm hoping this is what happens to answer your question, we will learn to live in harmony in a very sustainable way with the planet. And that's going to take a lot of work, a lot of people like you doing the work. And, you know, I, I look at you and I very similar. Like, I don't claim to be an expert. I'm a dude that lives on the beach, somehow created this awesome connection with the dolphins and whales. And now I'm on this quest like you to find out, you know, wait, what can we do? You know, let's talk to the people that are providing real solutions. You're talking to experts, you know, that are out there in the trenches trying to make a difference. So I, you know, my vision for the world, I just would love to see, you know, everyone living in harmony and happy. And um, again, you know, I think if we hit that level of consciousness, there's a shift will just occur where people are coming from a place. I'm by no means, by no means perfect, but everything that I try to do, I do my best to come from a place of love versus fear. And there's a lot of fear out there now. So somehow, if love can overtake that level of fear, I think things can really shift. And I don't know if that sounds a little woo or whatnot, but that's kind of how I, how I feel. Beautifully put, man. I, I think that's, that's maybe also one of those like deeply ingrained judgments that, 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 that are time to, to be removed. I, I hear that a lot when people answer with love and imagining love and hope. You know, this is a regular answer to this question. And then often people say, but maybe that's just a little woo-woo. And I, like, I don't even know where that notion comes from, that love needs to be woo-woo. For me, love is like the, the, the energy that connects all things. And, you know, it's not as practical, harsh. though. It's not a, it wasn't a practical answer. Like, oh, we just need to do A, B, C, D, and E, and everything will be fine. You know, that, maybe that's why I... I right ended it by saying, well, I don't, you know, but, you know, hopefully that's not too out there or whatnot, but I'm with you. It's, it's a very core thing, obviously. So this is interesting because mostly I let these answers just stand because obviously there is no right answer to the question of what do you, what's your earth vision, sure. but, but let, let's, let's drop in there just for a minute. So love is maybe not a practical answer, but every practical answer we come up with, if it doesn't connect with love to the ecosystem that we're a part of, it's the wrong direction. And the thing is, if I would have said this 50 years ago, nobody would have ever had the energy, the patience to listen. But in 2020, especially like halfway through COVID or maybe beyond COVID or whatever, like it's, these things have become apparently obvious for hundreds of millions of people. And of course, a lot of people don't have the economic safety to even, you know, reflect on these things. And, and this is one of the big problems we're in. We have to un unpack that as well but yes but but really like if the steps forward we take do not connect through love into the ecosystem that we're a part of they will be the wrong direction and we'll we'll just see more of the devastation and so i think love is actually a great answer to this um because it has directly to do with with consciousness and it doesn't mean we need to be perfect right it just means like we're we're daring we're daring to see ourselves as part of life rather than someone that either gets killed or dominates like those are not the only two options Yes, and like I was saying before, economically, it makes sense yeah. for us to make these changes, you know, renewable energy and, you know, green living and blue living, you know, 
I love the name of your podcast because that's why I, I, my whole, you know, Blue Laguna is the name of my book and Blue City. It's like, wait, everybody's going green. What about going blue? So like, it makes sense economically also. So if it makes sense financially and it just feels right as human beings to come from a place of love versus fear, that's a pretty good combo. So may it be so. Thank you so much for your time, Rich. Thanks for oh, this conversation. Wait. I want to ask, I'm, I'm, I'm always the one interviewing others. So I have to ask you, I want, I'm sure you've shared this and everybody watching knows, but how do you answer your own question, your vision for seven generations? That's awesome. Thanks for asking that question back. Uh, I think the, the simplest way to answer it is, is harmony. So hmm. harmony doesn't need to mean that there's no contrast. Contrast is a great thing to thrive over, but harmony means we know how to harmonize with what shows up. I think on a larger picture, I, I see humanity as an interplanetary species connected in the cosmos and as a cosmic species that can understand Earth's role in the cosmic rotation and therefore also understand like the principles and miracles of, 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 of the cosmos. So there are some universal laws that if we apply them to our life, things change, right? And so... Um, as part of that, I think we, we need to see an education revolution so that we understand that children who are being born onto the planet are born with gifts. They, didn't, they don't need to be turned into economic factors. And the same goes for every stage of life. Instead of making people production factors, I think especially when it comes to elders, there's, again, another way of passing down the gift, not the gift of the newborn spirit, but the gift of the uh, elder being embodied. And so this is another part that's, that's really clear to me. We, we get to you know, us alive right now, everyone listening right now, whatever inspires you, go and make this part of it at the very minimum of your passion project, ideally even your, 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 main, your main project, because that form of inspiration and passion will move us into a world where we can regard children and elders as a very vital part of our like, connection to life and where we can learn to see humanity's role on earth in the ecosystem on planet earth but then also I, I'm, I'm very confident that that you know we're not the only ones in this this megaverse <laughs> this multiverse that would be highly and unlikely if we are it would be highly highly unlikely and so whatever that means for wherever people are at with that topic um you know if you let me let me say this and i've said this on other people's podcasts before but if I was a, an extraterrestrial being, no matter if that means in physical density or in a more extra dimensional space, if I was to look at planet Earth, I don't think I would only be interested in the humans. I think, you know, for me, it would be, and this connects so well with you, I would be interested in all forms of life from, <laughs> from holy cows to beautiful dolphins to <laughs> whales to maybe even spiders that I personally as Julian don't love as much, you know, like, like life itself is the miracle. And as we're, you know, as we're evolving into a species that is in harmony with life, harmony was like my first answer to this, right? I think different things become possible. And we have to just admit that we went through a thousands of year long window of evolution where we, we did not actually live in harmony with life. We, we were so afraid of death that we try to dominate and kill everything and everyone around us. And so yep. that is still slumbering within each and every one of us in our DNA. And so it takes a lot of courage and a lot of evolutionary work to walk forward. But I think, you know, in these last three months during COVID and isolation, a lot of these layers are starting to show up for people and starting to become really obvious. Like, why are we doing all this? Why are we here in the first place? Yeah. To go to, to Walmart and work nine to five so that, 
you can buy a piece of plastic that you don't need. Like these, these illusionary loops are starting to collapse. And um, be, because we're here for more than just hanging out and watching the planet die, we're actually called into, you know, like you were called by the, by the ocean and marine life. And, and similar to me, like I, I feel totally called by nature itself into, into starting this podcast. We are called to embody the change we want to see. And long answer to, to that question, but you know, it's, that's where my passion really lies. So thanks for asking it, Rich. No, I love it. And um, my answer doesn't feel as nearly as woo-woo anymore after hearing yours. <laughs> and it's interesting, just to bring this full circle, um, I mentioned I was out on the ocean this morning with these dolphins. And there was a dolphin. Some of them I recognize, like they have unique markings and whatnot. But there was this dolphin who I can even show you the video proof of this. <laughs> I haven't even looked at it yet. But like for an hour, this one massive bottlenose, massive, then they get up to like 13 feet long. So about as long as my board and um, full grown. And he had unique markings on his, on his head. And um, I don't know, I just, I, I literally, when I was out there, I was like, he, he, to me was like this elder, used the word elder just a minute ago. And he seemed like the elder statesman of the pod. And I, I kind of nicknamed him Sage while I was out there. So if I see him again, I'll just, I'll call him Sage. And it was interesting that you talked about, you know, you use the word elder. So it just kind of brought it all. Because when I was out there, I'm like, there's something going on right now. I don't know what it was. I was just enjoying the moment of being with them. But I felt like there was some wisdom that that, that animal had. So I don't know. It just kind of brought the whole really cool. Well, thanks for sharing that. <laughs> I'll make sure I, I will post the original video with the orca pod under our video and into the show notes as well. Um, if there's anything else you, you want to share, go ahead. I'm so grateful we had this conversation. I'm sure it's just, it's the first of many. And uh, thank you for being on Green Planet Blue Planet. I would love for you to share the, as, it's actually on the project I was cited at the top. There's a, it's me paddle boarding with a blue whale. Since we, we talked a lot about blue whales, that'd be a cool video to share. It's a little 30 second bit. No, man, I just want to acknowledge you and thank you for the work that you're doing. And um, for anyone watching, like if you, if you're feeling the similar pull, the similar call to make a difference, um, maybe it's like what we're doing where, you know, you start your own podcast or a nonprofit, or, you know, you might start something on your own or find an organization that is doing good work that you believe in and, you know, put yourself out there. And I just, for me personally, I got to the point where I was like, I need to commit the vast majority of my energy to this. Like I said, can I actually make a difference? I don't know, but we at least need to try. And that's what I acknowledge you for also, Julian, for doing the same. So for anyone out there that you're feeling that similar call, you know, reach out to one of us, you know, let us help you to, you know, decide maybe what you can do. Like this is what I'm committed to in my life. So any support I can offer any of your viewers, I'm, I'm happy to. Thank you. You're welcome. And that's that, another episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. I hope you truly enjoyed this one and received some insights, knowledge, and a form of learning that you can directly apply to your life, into your relationships, or maybe even into your business and the way you show up for the world. Because this is a movement and we're all part of it and we're in this together. We're here to create a world of a triple bottom line where you win, I win, and the entire planet wins. We're raising consciousness together and you know that. That's why you're listening. That's why I love you.
So make sure to share the love. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Invite a friend to listen to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. And if you have an idea who else you'd like me to interview, make sure you reach out and send me a suggestion. Definitely check out greenplanet-blueplanet.com, the website to the podcast. I've created a lot of different offers for you, free content, free meditations for you to amplify your connection to self, the state of social impact in the world, and for you to connect and listen to who you could support of the people that I actually interview because their missions are ongoing and a lot of them need more collaboration. And after more than 100 episodes now, with some of the world's leading social impact experts, I have synthesized my most inspired learnings and takeaways to create coaching and mentorship programs for you and the people around you. Let me share with you about planetary purpose coaching and mentorship experiences. If you're in a space in your life where you're ready to level up to amplify who you are, what's coming through you and what you're doing to give your gift to the world, then I would love to hear from you and I'd love for you to apply to one of my private mentorships or group mentorships. Last but not least, there's a few different group experiences I host both in person and online. All of them are quantum learning environments and I'm happy to tell you more. So simply inform yourself and stay connected because whatever resonates with you, I'm here to support you and bring out more purpose into the world. And with that being said, wherever you are in the world, make sure to be you, show up all the way, be all in, connect with someone today, make them smile, have yourself a stellar day. Lots of love to you and until soon. 